You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. All right, I'm here. Aaron is here. Uh, Tommy's going to call in tomorrow. I gave him the day off. It's raining, the traffic. We started a little bit earlier today. He's the best. Um, I just said, you know what, call in tomorrow. This is going to be a lot of college basketball. Some Redskins, though, here at the top coming up here shortly. But um, he's going to call in tomorrow. I think Cooley's going to call in tomorrow as well um, because uh, he and I got our wires crossed. I thought he was coming on today, but I think he's going to come on tomorrow. Uh, so tune in for that. I will tell you that coming up very shortly is Dustin Clark. Uh, Dustin Clark, you ask? Dustin was Mark Turgeon's assistant coach for the last seven years at Maryland, four years at Texas A&M. He left coaching after last season. Many of the players on the floor today he recruited. He's going to give us the scout on Belmont. He's going to give us his thoughts overall on Maryland's season. Um, Dustin's a good friend of mine, and uh, he took over a business in Texas that was a family business. It was a good move for him to leave coaching when he did, Um, but Dustin will be coming up on the show. Dustin Clark here momentarily. Uh, I was wrong about St. John's last night. They sucked. Um, Chris Mullins' team missed 10 free throws. They panicked throughout the game. Uh, Arizona State was awful, too. They turned it over a bunch. I think there were 38 turnovers in what became an unwatchable game. I know everybody's killing Mullen today, and I personally don't think he is a great coach. Um, Watching them, uh, it's hard. I don't watch them a lot, but enough. But I didn't think last night personally was on him. His team panicked. They missed free throws. If they had made their free throws, and several of them were front ends of one-and-ones, the game would have been winnable for them. Um, But it was an ugly game. They shouldn't have been in that spot, though. Uh, And that's the reason people are so down on Mullen. That should have been a six or seven seed this year with that talent. Uh, Shamori Pons, maybe a first-round pick when all is said and done. Uh, And he missed a bunch of shots last night. Um, Interestingly, as much of a basketball fan uh, that I am, and college basketball fan, and I've told you, this first four, this Tuesday, Wednesday night, ah, I don't know. I, I think for people that don't watch the sport during the course of the year, they get excited for it. It's like, hey, it's the tournament. Well, it's not really the tournament yet. The tournament starts today. Um, I watched the Caps last night. From about early second period on, I was watching what I found to be the best sporting event on television last night, which was Caps Lightning. Yeah, I did. I know a lot of you probably that have listened to me uh, for a long period of time. You know that I'm not a hockey guy, especially regular season hockey. I love playoff hockey. Well, last night felt like playoff hockey. It was so intense. You could feel it coming through the screen last night. This is the second game against the Lightning in the last five days. They lost in Tampa Saturday night in a game that they had a chance to tie up late. They didn't. They ended up losing 6-3, I think, on two empty netters at the end. Um... It's the, the second of three games here, the only three that they've played against each other all season long after meeting last year in a seven-game Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, a lot of people think that that will be uh, the matchup we will see again um, in May, uh, Caps-Tampa in the Eastern Conference Finals. Man, was that an intense game. And what was so interesting, and I find it always so interesting about hockey, in that you can have one team totally dominate another team and lose the game. It's very rare in the NFL, and here would be the analogy. The Caps outshot Tampa last night 58-28. to They dominated the Lightning, especially in the third period. They lost the game in overtime 5-4. to They got a point, right? but they didn't get two points. 
And if you're watching that game, you're like, how are they tied? How are they down 4-3? Why are they scrambling with an empty net trying to tie this game up late? Which they did on a Kuznetsov goal with under a minute to go against Vasilevsky, who was phenomenal. Well, that's the reason. He's, he stopped 54 of 58 shots. The interesting thing is the one he gave up in the final minute didn't seem like a real difficult shot compared to some of the others that he had stopped all night. But the football analogy is that you outgained your opponent 450 yards to 150. Uh, you dominated time of possession 40 minutes to 20 minutes. Uh, and somehow you lost the game because you missed three field goals. You were stopped on fourth and goal from the one-yard line twice, and you turned it over three times, and two of the three turnovers resulted in defensive touchdowns. So the Washington-Tampa game in football. Yes. Uh, and yes. The Washington-Redskins the Redskins game in Tampa this year where they gave up 500-and-something yards, and the, the, the Bucks missed three field goals, and... Got stopped on fourth and goals. Yeah, that was it. And the Redskins somehow won that game 16 to three. You know, and I remember saying in the moment, this is this, you know, all's going right with this season. Like they're finally getting the breaks of a season. Everything's going their way because they did they did not deserve to win that game on paper. You know, by the way, if you recall from that game, teams had been putting up 30 and 40 on Tampa, and the Redskins barely got 16. Yes. But anyway, um, that's the analogy. Last night, I mean, I'm watching this game from, you know, not I didn't watch the first period. Um, I, I, I really picked it up at 3-1, to one, all right? So second period, whenever it was 3-1 to one is where I, I picked it up and when they were down 3-1, and they just dominated the game, dominated the game. You know, Hedman scores in overtime. How about the patience on that goal? Uh, th- you know, three on two. He, you know, it looks like he's got to make a pass. He doesn't, and he, he scores on on Holtby for the game winner. Kempney got hurt in the game. I know that's a big deal, um, but it was it was a compelling watch. You know, the Caps are really they've got these big games coming up here over the next couple of months, and it just looks and feels like they're ready for another big run. And I know hockey's hockey, and it's random and. You know, Pittsburgh would be an incredibly tough series, and Carolina might be a tough series, and, you know, the Islanders might be a tough series, whatever. Um, they're a good team. I you know, I can see that, you know, from these two games that I've watched against Tampa here over the last five days. They've got one more game against the Lightning. Um, it's amazing that they've only been able to come up with one point against Tampa in these two games. They still have a three-point lead in the division. I think everybody else in the division plays tonight with the caps off, but that was a hell of a hockey game. Uh, last night. Um, all right, I want to get to this Jason Lockenfora report before I get to some Maryland and then bring on Dustin Clark. So Jason Lockenfora yesterday tweeted out, quote, or maybe he wrote it in a story. Uh, I'm just reading the quotes here. League sources say Washington is already among the teams sniffing around and with pretty much every GM in the league wholeheartedly convinced the quarterback Kyler Murray is going first overall and San Francisco at number two is going to take a defensive player, they've been sniffing around with the Jets and the Jets' number three pick overall. Uh, he writes, the Jets very well could be sitting pretty with that third pick as an avenue for a quarterback needy team to jump ahead of the Giants at number six overall to land Ohio State quarterback Dwayne Haskins. There is a readily accepted drop-off in the quarterback class beyond that. And while, while the need is not as robust as in some past years, it only takes one team to make the move. 
He writes, if Snyder falls in love with, falls in love with Haskins through this process, and I'd point out that Haskins played prep football in Snyder's backyard, um, and I'll add parenthetically, he played at Bullis in Potomac and was a friend of Snyder's son at the Bullis School in Potomac. Uh, back to Lock and Fora. Uh, He writes, I'd point out that Haskins played prep football in Snyder's backyard and that his mentor, Sean Springs, is a former Redskins cornerback whom Snyder thinks very highly of. Um, If Snyder falls in love with Haskins through this process, he will do whatever he thinks he has to do to get him. History has shown us as much. And I hear Washington is very much intrigued by the strapping pocket passer. And you just know that Snyder would take some joy in leapfrogging the NFC East rival Giants in the process. That's from Jason Lockenfora yesterday. Um, okay. Uh, I do, and I'm going to stick with this feeling that I've had for a while now, that Snyder wants a splashy offseason. Hasn't been able to really get a, a big-time splashy offseason. I mean, they made an out-of-character for the last few years signing in paying Landon Collins what they paid him. Uh, they made a trade for a quarterback in Case Keenum, but that was an insurance policy. And then, you know, you got a bunch of... Uh, at this point, misses. You know, Antonio Brown was a miss. C.J. Mosley was a miss. Golden Tate was a miss. Um, you've got, uh, you know, basically in in the fold, uh, DRC uh, and uh, Eric Flowers, and re-signing Adrian Peterson. You know, to go with Landon Collins in the trade for Keenum. Um, Snyder wants to make a splash. I do believe that. Um, and if they're going to make a splash, it comes in the form of quarterback at this point. There are no more free agents, really. You know, and, unless you're going to trade for A.J. Green, and you know, maybe the Bengals are trying to trade Green because he's going to be a free agent next year, but they can always franchise him next year if they wanted to keep him you know, be, beyond uh, this season. But um, I believe that Snyder is very interested in making a splash at quarterback. So let's talk about the quarterback. I'm not a fan of Haskins. Uh, I wasn't during the season watching him. I made that very clear. What the hell do I know, though? These quarterbacks, nobody seems to know, really, with quarterbacks. It's one out of every three and a half to four quarterbacks in the first round end up being hits. All right? The rest of them typically misses. It is an inexact science on drafting quarterbacks in the first round. No one's ever, you know, said that they've figured out the formula. Uh, on this particular thing. There have been a couple of can't misses like Andrew Luck. You know, you can't miss with Andrew Luck. But nobody resembles Andrew Luck in this draft. Nobody does. Not even Kyler Murray. He's intriguing. He's unique. But nobody's convinced yet. Some people are. And Arizona's going to roll the dice at number one. I bet they do. Uh, And then you've got all these teams that potentially want quarterbacks in this draft. You know, and if the Redskins really like a quarterback, and let's say it's Haskins... Uh, they will more likely than not have to trade up to get him. Now, you know, in recent days, there was, you know, there were reports that maybe Haskins was starting to slip a little bit, but it's really hard to believe anything else uh, out there. It's hard to to believe anything, that is, Um, because teams are putting out, you know, fake messaging, and sometimes the reporting has hit on something that's accurate. You just don't know. I don't know if the Giants want Haskins at six or if they like Locke at six. And by the way, there's a lot of time between now and the first round of this draft. But apparently Haskins impressed in his pro day, and the Redskins are going to meet with him, and they were there yesterday, and Jay Gruden was there yesterday um, with the whole team, and you know, and, and maybe they were impressed with Haskins yesterday. To get Haskins, you might have to trade up. If you're going to trade up to number three, it's going to cost you, I think, a first 
next year's first, and potentially at least a second. Maybe a third, uh, maybe a first and third, but I think it'll end up costing a first, next year's first, 2020. Um, This year's first, obviously, the number 15. You'll swap with the Jets, three. The Jets will get 15, the Redskins will get three, and I think the Redskins will have to give up their first rounder next year and maybe more to move up. Uh, you know, think about the Griffin trade. That was six to two for Robert Griffin the third in 2012. They swapped spots and then they gave up two sec two first rounders and a second rounder. Um, they gave up their next two years worth of first rounders to move up four spots, six to two for 15 to three. Now, if you take recent deals like uh, the Eagles moving up from eight to two with Cleveland to draft Carson Wentz. They gave up a third, a fourth, a second, and a first to move up six spots. All right. Uh, Buffalo last year to move up from 12 to seven to draft Josh, Josh Allen. They traded with Tampa. They gave up two second rounders and they got a seventh back. That wasn't super costly. The Jets last year to move from six to three, two second rounders. Um, and, uh, last year and one second rounder from this year. So basically three second rounders to move up three spots. The draft value chart essentially equals a first round pick to move from 15 to three. But if the jets have some leverage, if there's competition, it might take more than a first to move from 15 to three. Would I do it? Not for Haskins, but I mean, they have to evaluate the quarterbacks. They're the ones evaluating the quarterbacks. If they love the quarterback, is Haskins worth a first and potentially a second? I don't think so. Um, I would not be against a lesser trade up a you know up four or five spots to get Drew Locke. I like Locke more than Haskins, but I don't love Locke either. I don't love any quarterback in this draft personally. But what do I know? Cooley doesn't like Haskins, right? Cooley's film breakdown of Haskins basically indicated, from his standpoint, very high bust potential. Watching him all season long, and I watch a lot of college football, and when you watch a lot of college football, Aaron, you see a lot of Ohio State football because every single game that Ohio State plays is on television. And to me, I just never was blown away with Haskins. They had phenomenal speed. They had phenomenal athletes. There was a lot of sideway throws. There were a lot of, you know, he made some big throws. And there were also some games like the Michigan State game when you watched him against a really good defense where he got pressured and the ball sailed. And he panicked in the pocket at times. I just wasn't blown away with Haskins. I know a lot of people were. It's my view. I'm probably dead wrong. Cooley may be dead wrong too. He did the film breakdown. He doesn't like Haskins. We'll see what the NFL teams think. Apparently, they're still very impressed with Haskins. And if the Redskins are really impressed with Haskins, I do think they'll try to make a move. I don't think it's something that Bruce Allen wants to do to trade, you know, uh, to trade away the the their future number one and a number two potentially to move up 12 spots. That's my guess as to what it will cost. I could be wrong about that. Might cost more. Depends on what kind of leverage the Jets have, what kind of market there is for that number three pick overall, how desperate the Redskins are. The Jets don't have to trade it. I mean, Jets could pick up a lot for it, but you know they, they probably love you know Quinn and Williams or Nick Bosa, whoever the 49ers don't draft either one of those players. Josh Allen, all three of those defensive players, Aaron Wright appear to be dominant kinds of defensive players. Yes. So I wouldn't do it for Haskins. 
I wouldn't do it for any quarterback in this draft. Kyler Murray's very intriguing to me, but very high risk. If they did it for Murray, I think I would understand. If they did it for Haskins or they did it for Locke, I won't understand. I won't be in favor of it. If they traded up for five spots, let's say to try to get in front of the... Let's say they can make a trade with... uh, Let's say the Giants aren't interested in Haskins and they end up taking Locke or they trade for Rosen before the draft. Let's say that happens. And now the Redskins just have to get up to, say, eight, you know, in front or nine in front of Denver and Miami. And they want Locke there or Haskins is there. That's different. That's a different conversation. It's a lot less expensive to move. I'm not in favor of them drafting Haskins, period. If they draft Locke, I'd feel better about it. I wouldn't trade up to number three to do it. But I do think that the report of the Redskins being one of maybe multiple teams interested in moving up for Dwayne Haskins is more likely than not true. But it could easily be that the Redskins are sniffing out every possibility. And they should. They should see what the cost is, what the Jets would want. They should be checking with every team if they have a player that they really like, and especially if it's a quarterback that they really like. Um, That's it on that, really. Uh, I think that ultimately I bet the Redskins don't make that move. Ultimately, I think that the cost will be too high. But if it is a move they make, boy, no doubt was it driven by the owner who not only wants a quarterback but wants some juice to this offseason. All right, lastly, before we get to Dustin Clark, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Maryland game today. Uh, they play Belmont at 310, first round of the NCAA tournament. This is the fourth tournament in the last five years for Maryland. They missed last year after they went three straight years uh, with Mellow Trimble uh, and company. Uh, they got to one sweet 16 in those first three years uh, by beating in that particular year South Dakota State and then Hawaii, who was an upset winner in the first round to get to the sweet 16 when they lost to Kansas. They lost a first-round game to Xavier uh, the last time they were in the tournament two years ago. And the first year they went, uh, they lost a second-round game to West Virginia. Um, Anthony Cowan made a comment yesterday that got a lot of run on social media for Maryland fans. I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before, but he said, I have yet to win a postseason game. Yeah, that was actually Sunday that he said it. Okay, Sunday. Uh, I read it yesterday. Uh, and I saw a lot of the reaction and read a lot of the reaction. Anthony Cowan hasn't won a Big Ten tournament game. He's a junior and is 0 for 1 in the NCAA tournament. He was on the team two years ago as a freshman when they lost to Xavier and Trayvon Blewett in the first round who went off on them in the second uh, second half of that game and Maryland got bounced early. All of that aside, um, I think Mark Turgeon's a good coach. You don't win like he wins without being a good basketball coach. I've said that. I'm not going to back off that. I know that he does some things that are very good. First of all, he's recruited well. He's recruited very well since he's gotten here. Right, Aaron? How many top 20 classes has he had since he got here in 2011? You know, it's it's hard to determine classes because they, they fluctuate. Like, you know, when he had Diamond Stone in the class, that was only the 55th because it was just a two-person class. But he has had four top 20 classes. Four top 20 classes in his eight seasons here, right? This is his eighth season here. He's recruited well. You know, he, he's recruited very well. Um, I think he absolutely knows what he's doing defensively. 
You know, I watch the way they defend. Um, I, I know how well they practice uh, defensively. They are a high-efficiency defensive team. They've been pretty much near the top 20 uh, in efficient, you know, adjusted defensive efficiency uh, ratings, all rankings all year long. It's a good defensive team. They hold teams to low field goal percentages. Uh, they don't turn a lot of people over. Talk to Dustin Clark about that when I have him on. Um, but Mark's done a good job this year. They were they were 22 and 10, and they've got a very young team. Now that team's not young anymore. They've played a lot of games. They played 32 games. Um, the criticism I've, I've had all season long, I think they should play faster personally, a higher possession game. They're 313th nationally out of 353 teams in possessions per game. And what happens when you play low possession games and you are a high turnover team, which they are, is you better shoot well or you're going to lose. You know, you, there's just no margin for error in low possession games. If you're a high turnover, you know, with the high turnovers, you, you put yourself into a very difficult spot against good basketball teams, which they have, um, especially recently. Um, I also don't like that Bruno Fernando doesn't shoot enough, that Aaron Wiggins doesn't shoot enough. Um, I don't, I don't love sometimes when we take out players to match the other teams you know, lineups. Um, I think we've got a difficult lineup to guard when Sticks and Bruno are in there at the same time. And I think today that might be the case as well. Uh, but overall, I, I, I'm Mark Turgeon's a good basketball coach. Okay. Is he a great basketball coach? No, the results wouldn't indicate that he's a great basketball coach. All right. He's been to two sweet 16s as a coach, once at Wichita State and once at Maryland. Um, he's taken all of his teams to the tournament that he's coached over the years. Uh, by the way, that Wichita State team that he took to the Sweet 16, he was coaching at Capital One Arena, or then MCI Center, I believe it was at that point, when George Mason beat Wichita State in a Sweet 16 game before Mason beat UConn to go on to the Final Four in 2006. Now, with all that said, um, I like him as a coach. I don't love him as a coach. I've been critical and constructively critical of some of the things he's done over the years, in particular this team. I just think it should play faster, period. I think there are a lot of reasons why they don't. They play very good defensive teams uh, in a conference that that is very well coached. Um, I actually think they're going to score today more points than they have recently. You know, they have not scored more. They've scored more than 70 points once in the last two months. One time more than 70 points in the last two months. I think they're going to score more than 70 today. I do. With all of that said and understood, I also understand this. They got to win today. He has to win this game today. He's got to have a good weekend. The opportunity to have a good weekend is there. All right? They uh, This draw, in some ways, couldn't have worked out better. Belmont's not easy. They're only a three-point favorite today. You know, LSU, if they get them, LSU is a man-sized team without a coach right now. Um, but they, they got pros and they look the part. You know, it's not going to be easy to get to the Sweet 16, but they got a, a decent draw. Uh, it's almost as if, you know, they got a draw to get back home. And man, he can turn the narrative on, you know, on its backside. And the narrative being from the very critical and at times delusional fan base, which I am a part of. And sometimes I've been delusional as to what Maryland is. Some people tell me that. I still think Maryland's a top 20 job. Um, I still think it should be a top 20 program year in and year out, and I don't think that they should ever miss the tournament. You know what? Making the tournament's great, but with 68 teams, it's really not that hard to make the tournament when you're Maryland. You should make the tournament every year. You should. This is a big weekend for him. I don't think, Aaron, you can weigh in here too, I don't think, my sense is that the fan base is sitting back saying, you better beat Belmont. 
And because if we go one and done in the Big Ten tournament and then in the NCAA tournament, I think much of the fan base, and when I say much, I would say at least a slight majority would want him replaced. They no question. would. No question. And you never want to be in that environment as a coach. It's a big, it's a, look, Maryland's a big time basketball program. It's a basketball first school. Um, and there's a lot of pressure. They've had a lot of success over the years. They won a national championship. We know what's capable. We know what it's capable of. of. They've been to two Final Fours. They've won a national championship. Gary got it done. Lefty, if you had had an open tournament with more than one team per conference, Lefty probably would have been in a couple of Final Fours also. And so we know it's possible. And you can't go 12-35 and 35 against ranked teams, which is Turgeon's record since he got here against ranked teams, 12 wins 35 losses against ranked teams and get bounced in the first round of your conference tournament in the NCAA tournament you can't you can't have that happen a lot at a place like Maryland what would they do about it i have no idea i'm hopeful it doesn't get to that point i think they will win today i actually like them today you're going to hear that in the smell test all right i like them today and i like their chances to get to next week you know i don't think it's a slam dunk. I think the other day I said it's about a one in three chance to get to next week uh, to get to the Elite Eight. All right. Or one in five to get to the Elite Eight, one in three to get to the Sweet 16. I'll stick with that, but that's not a bad shot. They got a chance to win two games. It's not going to be a shocker if they win two games. The problem is it's not going to be a shocker for a lot of you, me included, if they lose today. And that's where the problem lies. You just, you can't have that sick feeling that they're going to lose in a first-round game. And a lot of you have that feeling. And I am try- I'm optimistic, and I think they will win today. But I know it's possible that they could lose this game today. Look, they're only a three-point favorite. Like, it wouldn't be a massive upset. An 11 over a six is a three-point dog if Belmont won the game. But he needs this. He needs today. He needs to have a game on Saturday. Because there's the also there's the lost opportunity part of this. It's what I talked to uh, with Scott about. Um, by the way, he's not coming on today either. Okay, he'll come on tomorrow, hopefully. Uh, tomorrow could be just everybody, Cooley, Tommy, uh, Scott, others. Um, you have a chance to create some momentum going into next year. You know, you had that huge game against Michigan. You lost that, and it's you, you needed more games. You needed a run in the Big Ten tournament. You didn't get it. You can erase that sour taste with a run in the NCAA tournament. But if you don't get that, there's going to be an off-season of wondering, man, where is this program? Great. Four tournaments in five years, one Sweet 16. Maryland basketball's better than that. It may not be Final Fours every year. It may not be Sweet 16s every year. But I think most people feel that over a five-year period that you know, two first-round exits, no success in the Big Ten tournament, and just one Sweet 16 isn't good enough. And 12 and 35 against ranked teams isn't good enough. When's the last big win Maryland's really had? Purdue at home this year is sort of a big win. The big win would have been over Michigan this year. You know, they had that win over Wisconsin when Wisconsin was number five in the country in 2015. They beat a a third ranked Iowa team in 2016 at home. They just beat their first ranked team on the road this year in Iowa during the Turgeon era. They had two wins over Duke, remember? They they beat Duke in the ACC tournament in 2000, 
uh, 13 after they beat them in their last home game against Duke in 2013. There were, you know, that was a big year. I got to call that 2013 game against Duke, the final home game against Duke. You know, it's not like they've been completely void of big wins, but there haven't been a lot of them. I agree with you on that. He needs to win today. He really does. I don't know if anything happens if he doesn't, and my guess is it will not. But for the health and and the the enthusiasm about the program, for it to really still be there and potentially create an opportunity for to really steamroll into next week and into the offseason, it's got to win today against Belmont. Quick word about Window Nation. Uh, window Nation right now has a great deal going. Buy two windows, get two windows free. There is no limit. You can get 15 windows if you need them, and you get another 15. Free. If you needed 30, you get 15 and 15 free. You pay 15, you get 15 free. You can buy a house full of windows right now for just $69 a month. Harley, Aaron, Eric, three of my favorite people, great entrepreneurs, great company, fifth largest window retailer in the United States with a 97% customer satisfaction rating. I'm one of the 97%, and I know others as well over the years that have used Window Nation and shared the same with me. Here's the deal. Uh, If you think you need windows, please call Window Nation first. Give them a shot. 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. They will give you a free in-home estimate with one of their best salespeople if you mention my name. They're going to give you a price quote. They're going to tell you exactly what you need and what you don't need. They'll leave you with a price quote, and it's valid for 60 days. So you don't have to act on it right away. You've got two months to make up your mind. But if you think you need new windows and you've noticed it this winter with drafty uh, you know, windy windows and a little bit colder in spots of the house, remember you are losing money on you know, higher energy bills. You can fix that by getting new windows. Buy two, get two free, no limit. Buy a house of windows for just $69 a month, and you get a free in-home estimate with a price that's valid for 60 days. 866-90-NATION. Call them, tell them I told you to call, or go to windownation.com. All right, let's bring in uh, a friend, actually, um, and a guy that I like a lot personally, Dustin Clark, who was one of Mark Turgeon's assistants, and most of you recognize Dustin, the very handsome man with the glasses on the sideline sitting next to Mark for so many years, seven at Maryland, four at Texas A&M, 11 uh, in total, and and Dustin retired from coaching um, after last season to to run a, a business down in Texas, which is going quite well, and, and I'm happy for him. But I was thinking about you um, yesterday, and I'm like, Damn. And I, I, I thought to myself when I was talking to Van Pelt, actually, I'm like, why didn't I ask Dustin to be on the show this week? It, it would have been a perfect you know, discussion and, 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 and perfectly timed. And then I texted you earlier this morning, and you not only are you available to come on, but you're in Jacksonville for the game today, which is, is good. How you doing? Kevin, man. Um, first of all, thanks for having me on, and uh, you know, I'm happy for your success with uh, the podcast. I know it's, um, it's it's been a good deal for you, um, so uh, thanks for thanks for letting me be a part of it. But um, no, I'm doing great, and uh, down here in Jacksonville, got here yesterday, and I actually brought my dad with me, and um, you know we're gonna have a great weekend. It's uh, you know you alluded to me, you know getting out of the coaching business, and um, you it was. In some ways, it was it was a difficult decision to make because, um, I, you know, I did you know I was in the business for 12 years and I was so 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 fortunate to work at a place like Texas A&M, my alma mater, and a 
coach a place like Maryland. Like, are you serious? <laughs> um, and so it was, you know, it was, it was, you know, unbelievable. Uh, and I loved it. Um, however, um, there were things that I didn't get to do, um, like go to the NCAA tournament with my dad, <clears throat> excuse me. And, um, and so, uh, you know, I said, dad, gum, I said, whenever, you know, now that I'm out of coaching and I have, you know, some, some more time on my hands and more freedom of time, um, I said, I'm going to do things like that. So anyways, my dad and I are down here in Jacksonville and uh, looking forward to uh, to a Terps win. And Dustin's a huge sports fan too. So now you get to watch all the games that you weren't able to watch while you were recruiting and, and, and working. Um, because I know you're a huge sports fan, big NBA fan, football fan, the whole thing. All right, I, look, today, and I, I, I open with this in the show, you know how much um, I like Mark and, and Ann and, and the family and the job that he's done here at Maryland. There's some heat on Mark right now. You guys felt it. You know how at times this fan base is a little bit you know, delusional in terms of what it thinks it should be. Um, and this is the fourth tournament year in five years, which is you know a good run here. Um, but I think a lot of Maryland fans need a win today. How do you respond as one of his good friends, somebody who was side-by-side side with him for so many years? You know, what, what were some of the conversations like when some in the fan base got a little bit, you know, heated about not going to Sweet 16s and Elite 8s, you know, and Final 4s every year? Seven, eight, first I'll say this, is that, you know, what makes Maryland um, a great place to coach um, is, is how is the tradition of winning and the expectations of winning um, and and the passion that people have about that and so um, you know like we I mean we knew we we know you know I struggle sometimes talking about past tense coaching and you know sometimes still feeling like I am a part <laughs> of it because I am so close sure. to the staff and so close to these kids and um, but um, so you know forgive that but um, you know like. We, we we know that we we know the expectations. Um, I, you know, I, I will say this about Coach. You know, um, he, you know he'll he'll say it privately, and I think he said it publicly. He doesn't he does a great job of of tuning that stuff out. Like he doesn't like Coach truly doesn't you know read the newspaper. He doesn't you know um, you know he's he's a little bit insulated, and you know I, I think you have to do that because you know in coaching you know there's you know we, we tell the kids all the time that, you know, people saying great things about you is poison and people saying terrible things about you is poison. And so, you know, you, that can't affect how you play and, and, and how you coach. And so, you know, you know, so to say that, you know, we didn't, we didn't really have a lot of conversations about, you know, whether it was criticism or whether it was praise. Um, but, um, you know, but, but, but you asked me how, um, you know, I think you asked me, you know, about what I feel about, you know, this year and, you know, and, and where they are. And um, it's, I mean, are you kidding me? The the season that, that these guys have had um, and, you know, here we are, we, you know, we have a chance to, to, to win two games and, and, and go to a sweet 16, um, you know, with, you know, with a good team that's had, you know, some great moments and some great wins. And, hey, listen, I get it. I get it. Every, we were all disappointed about, the game in Chicago last week. Um, nobody more than coach. Nobody more than than the kids in the locker room. Um, but uh, but you know the beautiful beautiful thing about playing in the NCAA tournament and that being a part of the postseason is you know they have a chance today to to, 
you know, to to take that memory totally out of their minds, most importantly, and everybody else's, and beat a really good Belmont team. So, you know, I mean, come on, it's been, a, I mean, it's it's been a really good season, and it's got a chance to be a great season starting at three ten today. You know, that's the thing too, is that this whole look, whether it's fair or not fair. It is. And when I say it is, it is, you know, some of the heat that's out there from the fan base. I don't, it, it's impossible to deny it. And I'm glad he doesn't listen to it. I'm glad as a staff, you guys didn't listen to it. It would be impossible, I would imagine, to run a, a program like Maryland with a demanding fan base listening to, you know, every criticism or every, you know, piece of praise or reading, you know, chat boards or message boards or social media. You All, all coaches should should steer, you know, far away from that stuff. But it's there's this opportunity here to win a couple of games, to come back to Capital One Arena in Chinatown for the Eastern Regional, you know, and and people, you know, it, he could he could turn the narrative right now. And by the way, real quickly, young team, they won 22 games, they're back in the tournament, they finished fifth, had a chance to finish in the top four in a double bye, nearly did uh, in the Big Ten um, when they were picked to finish seventh, eighth, ninth, wherever it was preseason. By any measure, that is a successful season. At the same time, it doesn't matter you know, about definitions of, of good seasons. What definitely exists right now is a fan base that's on edge and, and feels like you know, we got to do something here in the postseason. Uh, and and today they're fa- they're a favorite against a good team. We'll get to the game in a second. But do you have a sense also, you know, and you're close to it still. These are your players. You recruited a lot of them. Do you have that sense that a lot of the fans have that there is some pressure on this weekend? Kevin, there's always pressure. There's always pressure. We coach it. We coach it in Maryland. Do you feel I mean, like it's it, different right now, though? Like this weekend is different than anything in previous years. I don't. Okay. I don't. And because here's the deal. I mean, it, it's. I mean, there's always a lot of pressure. I mean, how can there be? I, I mean, when when I'm walking out of my hotel room, you know, two years ago for the NCAA tournament or three years ago, you know, when we were playing South Dakota State and Hawaii or, you know, Valpo or West Virginia State, when you're walking out of your hotel room down to that bus, you, you feel, I mean, it's, it can never be, it can never be, it can never be more important. You know what I'm saying? And so, and so like there's, and, and, and look at this. I mean, they are, they are a young team as you alluded to. All right. Everybody knows that, um, which means, this core is going to be together for a long time. Look at the recruiting class those guys signed. Really good players, right? Look at look at the success that our kids are having, you know, beyond college and in an NBA. So, so no, I, you know, I, I don't think that there's. I think that I think that this program is in a great place and poised to poised to make yet another jump. You know what I'm saying? I mean, over these last seven years, eight years now, you know, we've made some jumps. And I think it's ready to take the next jump. So, um, you know, irrespective of what happens today, irrespective of what happens this weekend. So, no, I don't. I, I, I don't think there's more pressure on today's game than than there have been the ones in the past. I just think, you know, the the, the pressure is for the guys to play well. You know, be relaxed, um, execute the game plan that the, the coach and and, and the, the assistants have put together. It's going to be a great game plan, right? 
And um, that's where the pressure is. The pressure is because, you know, they have a great opportunity. You know, I, opportunity, had, like you said. I had Gary, yep. I had Gary Williams on the show yesterday and, and I asked him about sort of a, the same thing and, and, and he, you know, felt the same way. It's like, you know, the, they, there was always pressure there and, you know, before he got to the Final Four and won a national championship in 2001-2002, the fan base wasn't thrilled with Sweet 16 loss after loss after loss. You know, he had had, I think it was five Sweet 16 losses, had not taken the team to the Elite Eight um, in, you know, over, uh, you know, about an, uh, what was it, about a seven, six, seven-year period, and people weren't happy. He got booed off the floor after home loss to Florida State in 2001, the year they went to the Final Four. It is a, it's a demanding fan base, and part of that is just the East Coast personality. You know, there's a lot of Philly, there's a lot of New York in, in, in the Maryland alum base, and um, and, and DC's not easy on them either. So uh, DC and Baltimore too. I, I want to mention this because, you know, um, I, I want to get into sort of the way the team has played this year and some of the things that I've seen. Dustin's been a big help to me over the years. I mean, I think I called you a few years ago and said, hey, I'm playing a team. They're running a triangle in two. What the hell do I do? <laughs> and so over the years, Dustin's been great in, in helping me uh, do things at, at the youth level. And Mark's been great too, actually. Um, here's my... Uh, one, my one constr- I've got two constructive criticisms about the team this year, and I think you know you and I have texted back and forth during the year. I personally feel, and I know there are reasons for this. I personally feel that with the talent, we we should be playing playing higher possession games, more up tempo um, basketball. Um, and number two is, I wouldn't let double teams stop me from getting Bruno you know, shot attempts. I mean, whether it's from the elbow, I don't think he shoots enough from that spot when you run when, when you run the offense through him at the elbow. Um, it, it seems like he's got a great stroke and he could be knocking down, you know, 14 to 17 foot jump shots to make the defense come out a little bit. Those are the two things that I've harped on all year long. I've been very positive about other aspects of the team, including I think their half-court defense, which at times has been good, and really their half-court offense in terms of, uh, in terms of efficiency has been – you know, pretty good um, at times, and and other and in uh, other games, you know, a, a little bit inconsistent. What about the criticism of playing up tempo and getting Bruno more shots? Yeah, you know, talking about playing up tempo reminds me of um, there's a coach named Doc Sadler. Doc is uh, now down at um, at Southern Miss, um, but he what what job did he get? He got the Nebraska job. Uh, he was I think he went from UTEP to Nebraska right when I got in the business and um, I'm sitting there listening to um, Doc's press conference and Doc is um, Doc's notorious for playing a very 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 you know slow tempo game and uh, but you know everybody you know, everybody wants to run you know when you're recruiting you know talking to recruits oh coach I want to play fast when you're talking to your players oh yeah coach we want to play fast when you're talking to fans oh yeah we want to we want to watch a fast team and uh, so anyways Doc's out there you know he's, he's really good coach um but uh, you know prefers a slow tempo one of the media members at nebraska said coach you know can you know can you talk about your tempo and your playing style and uh he looked at me and he said uh, he said you ever seen a tennis match <laughs> 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 and you know and those of us watching press conference just started laughing because we knew that doc wasn't gonna play a you know a back and forth right up and down deal right and uh so anyways um 
just that made me think of that antidote. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, there's things you know when you there's there's things that you give up when you play fast, and there's things you give up when you play slow. You know, I don't think this team plays slow. Um, I mean, I mean, I think that. I mean, how many times have you seen Anthony hit ahead to a stick? How many times have you seen Anthony hit ahead to Bruno? Um, how many times have you seen you know Daryl um, get the outlet and and, and bring it himself? So um, I don't think this team plays slow. Um, could it play faster? Certainly. You know, could, there's every team could play faster, with the exception of probably four teams in America, four high major teams in America. Um, so um, you know, and, and there's you know there's just you know, there's just a lot that goes into it. Um, you know, I, come on, listen. Here's the deal. You know, I worked for for Coach Church for 11 years, all right? And um, and you know, and then he, you know, I mean, come on, he was successful, you know, for another I don't know, 11 years. Maybe he's won. That, he's before, won everywhere he's gone. Ready. You guys have won. Yeah, won, won everywhere you won. He's won. And 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 there's lots of way to win basketball games. Right. There's lots of way to win basketball games. And so again, I'm not going to sit here and question how coach is coaching this team when he's coached the absolute heck out of them. I mean, give, I mean, give, you know, people, you know, just listen, I'm not going to, I'm not going to question this team's pace. All right. He's gotten them in a position um, that frankly, with the league schedule that they played, um, I don't know how, yeah, certainly we can go back and we can talk about this game or that game, a missed opportunity here, a missed opportunity. There. That's the basketball season. All right. Every you know, every coach in America is going to talk about one or two or three games of missed opportunities. All right, listen, he's coached the heck out of this team. All right, I don't know, you know, I don't know how much of a better position this team, this this team, um, you know, could be in. And um, so, listen, I'm not going to question the, what it, the pace. What um, about? But I mean, the, we, by yeah, the, but, but here's the deal. But yeah, yeah the, the double team, the double team. I mean, like, it's they. They've been so good against the double team. Would you agree? I no, think I'm not talking about Nebraska. I think I'm for not the talking about Nebraska. I think when we first started to see it, uh, Bruno had made such an incredible improvement from a year ago in handling it. Um, I thought it was very, very well done. And then I think in recent weeks, he's turned it over. He's 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 not. You know, it, it's been more inconsistent over the last few games. The Nebraska game, it wasn't good at all. Right. No, I, I I agree with that. And um, but they, I mean, they've been. I mean, he's been doubled all year. I know. And yeah. A lot of their offense. A lot of their offense has. You know. I mean. I think you saw uh, what team? What game was it? Um, was it Indiana? I can't remember. You know, one of the. You know, they've been so good against the double team. You know, team stopped doubling them. And. Um, yeah, that's right. When when yeah, when he started to kill it early, then we had a couple yeah. of games where teams decided, you know what, we can't do that. But then they they've gone back to it. It's not every possession that runs through him in the post. Sometimes those possessions, and you know the sets that you guys are running. A lot of times, you know, the, Anthony or or Ayala will will you know throw him a, a bounce pass right there at the elbow, and you got action going off of that. Yeah. And that that was oh, the God, one yeah. th- that was the one thing that I wanted to, to specifically ask is he seems reluctant to turn around face and take that shot when he's not being guarded. Do you agree or not? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think he's, um, you know, I think, I think he's, uh, I think he has been hesitant to, to shoot that elbow jumper um, some. And um, I think that's, 
you know, um, I think that that is um, – he can make that shot. He can absolutely make that. And he has made that shot this year. Um, I think that, um, you know, I think that sometimes he's, he's, he's trying to be um, such a good teammate and trying to do the right thing to the point to where, you know, he thinks that, 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 that you know, a, a good shot for Bruno, all right, might, you know, might not mean the best shot for a team. Does that make sense? And so I think that Bruno might be trying to, you know, early in possessions, you know, might be trying to, you know, work for something a little bit better. I think that's um, exactly the, what it is. That's what, you know what, the way you just described it is is exactly the way I perceive it when I watch. It's that he is very patient, as he is, by the way, from the low block. He's very patient, and he's trying to get something better. Even, you know, it's interesting to watch him work even when the double doesn't come. He's very patient, much more so. I think I think you guys did an incredible job of coaching him look at the development from Bruno Fernando from you know early in his freshman year to where he's been at times this year it's it's remarkable but I just sometimes think that that elbow jumper from 15 feet and he's got a great stroke he's got a really good free throw stroke especially with that defender laying off three four feet sometimes that's the best look you'll get in the possession against good defensive teams yep 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 yep. no you're right by the way, that's the other thing. Is you, Maryland's played some incredible defensive teams in this league. Some incredible defensive teams. And that's why when I, when I lob in some of this criticism on this podcast, I always do it with this caveat. I'm not at practice. I have no idea what they're telling them to do or what they're trying to do. And I can tell you this, that the answer from Mark or anybody on his staff would be, have you seen some of the teams we've played and how good they are defensively and how they get back? It's impossible to get anything in transition against Michigan or Michigan State or you know some of these teams that, that, that uh, Maryland plays in the Big Ten. Um, talk about the game today. How do they beat Belmont? I hadn't watched Belmont play until – um, the other night against Temple, and um, you know people were talking about how good Belmont was, and um, I wouldn't believe him until I watched that game. Holy smokes, are they good? Um, but this, you know, this is here's the deal. Here's the deal. You know, we can talk. You know, we, we can go in depth, and we can talk about how they got to guard ball screens, and you know, we got to talk. You know, we we could talk about all that. But let's just make it real simple, okay? And I'm going to talk about we, because that gummit, even whenever it's, you know, when it's not one player that I recruited and, you know, when I'm not close to the staff one day, it's always going to be we for me in Maryland because I love that place. <laughs> it, it, uh, it is for but, me too, and I never coached there, just went there. <laughs> and I, you know, and I didn't go there, but, uh, but heck, I feel like I did. But anyways, um, what we got to do today right, is we got to play to our strengths. Right? And you're like, okay, yeah, Dustin, you know, of course every team does. No, 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 this is what I'm talking about. Right? We got to play bigger. We got to play stronger. We got to play longer, okay? Because they're going to spread us out. Right? They're, they're going to, you know, Sticks right, is going to have to guard, uh, you know, somebody that's 6'4", right? Um, you know, 6'4 shooter out on the perimeter. Right? And that's, come on, like we, we face that, you know, a lot this year because college basketball is going small. But so they're going to spread us out, right? They're going to get, you know, they're going to get some, some, some open threes, all right? They're going to get us spread out, and the big kid's going to roll, and, you know, nobody's going to be in help, and everybody's going to grow, and like, oh, we're giving up dogs on layups. It's because, it's because of how they play. It's because, we, you know, we're getting a little bit spread out. All right, it's just going to happen. All right, so, but if that's going to happen, this also has to happen. We've got to smash them on the boards. 
We got it. Bruno on the sticks when the ball goes on the rim, right? You can't you can't double team Bruno on a box out. It's impossible. You can double team in post, but you can't double team in a box out. So Bruno's got to Bruno's got to have six offensive rebounds. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know they got to bite the rim. You know when when the ball's on the rim, and so you know, and so that's what I'm saying. Like we've got to you know we got to impose our you know, we'll, if we get into their game, you know, in terms of, you know, just, you know, like, like I said, if we try to play like them, it's not going to be good, right? But if, you know, if we, um, like I said, if we, you know, we're the bigger, stronger, longer team, and if we play like that, and if we out-rebound them, okay, um, and, um, you know, and Anthony, you know, Anthony's, you know, I just feel great about Anthony playing well today, and I'm not saying – you know, playing well doesn't mean, you know, Anthony's got to have 20. I hope he does because good things yeah. can only happen right. when he does, Russ. Uh, but, even, you know, I don't know how they're going to guard him. That might not be the deal. But so that's not the deal, you know, and Anthony ends up, you know, with six or seven assists and, um, you know, you know, it's going to be a good day. But I'm telling you, man, the, 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 they got two guards. They got two guards on that team that are really good. I mean, really good. And th- that was just – that was just from from the Temple game. And I didn't. The, supposedly, their best player, who would have been the um, OVC Player of the Year if it wasn't for John Morant, um, he didn't. You know, he, he didn't, had five he didn't points against. Yeah, he had yeah, five against yeah. So I don't know how good he is, but he's he's supposed to be pretty good. And the big kid can really score down there. So no, it's, I'm telling you, man. Um, it's funny. I was talking to somebody about this last night. When you see a six versus eleven, you know, you, you know, you, you just see six eleven. You're like, oh, there's five spots between that seed line. Um, you know, it, it, your mind plays tricks on you. Like, oh, the six is supposed to be so much better than the eleven, right? We are better than them, right? And you know, I, you know, I hope that the score, you know, indicates it. Um, but it's not. But, but in the NCAA tournament, it's not that big a difference. You know what I'm saying? No, I mean, I'm, no, be, no, 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 no. We're, I mean, we're, we're a three-point favorite. That's it. Yeah, that's so, crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so. You mentioned something, and over the years, you know, I think this is more of a last 10-year thing than uh, previous to 10 years ago, but, you know, going going big against big, going small against small, you know, in 2005, I don't remember people talking about going big and going small to match lineups, but you just mentioned it, and I can picture it right now. You know, Sticks trying to guard a guy that's 6'3 or 6'4 today. Does that mean – will that mean that Sticks comes to the bench and that we get more Wiggins or more Lindo potentially? Um, will that limit his minutes if, if, if he can't guard? I think it's – you know, I think it's – it's a feel of the game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If, you know, if we feel like um, – you know, if, if it's just fill a game, you know, where, where, where's the matchup helping us more, you know, is, you know, is, is sticks, you know, we're throwing the ball inside the sticks and is he able to be effective against, you know, are we able, are we able to make them pay um, for, you know, for, uh, for guarding him with a smaller guy or, um, um, you know, or on the other end, you know, are we just, are we given, you know, it might not be, and you know, heck, it might not be sticks. You know, Bruno might have foul trouble. Sticks might be playing the five. You know, whatever. Um, but what I'm saying is, um, is that, um, is that I forgot. No, what no, I no. I mean, I, 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 I know <laughs> but, what you, I know what you're saying. It's, a, yeah, it's it, the field it, of the game. It, it, you know, it's they a feel. You know, it, it, it's a field thing, and um, and and the, and that is. So here's the deal. This is what I was saying. Here's the deal. As a coach, this is one of the hardest things that you struggle with over there. And you struggle before games and after games and during games. Do I play? Do I do I play my best players? 
you know, do I, you know, do, do I put my five best players on the floor, um, or do you know, or do I go with matchups? And um, you know, it's just a it's just a field thing. And you just watch watch this weekend. Watch this weekend. All the coaches try to figure that thing out, and um, that'll be a, that'll be a big part of today. If we can, you know, how is it? You know, who, who's going who's contrasting style is going to going to prevail? I think one of the things that's um, been the case this year is the best games that Maryland's played this year. Uh, if you think about them, have been the games in which Sticks has been a big part of it and he's played very well and he's he's really been on the floor and and scored and you know I know he I know he's had a difficult time in in the Big Ten guarding some of the post players and getting pushed around as a freshman I think that'll change next year hopefully with with a year in the weight room but he is a highly skilled offensive player and and by the way every single time they leave him open on a pick and pop um, I have no problem with him shooting that three. You know, I, I know his percentage in every game isn't great, but he's got a good stroke from out there. And if they're going to, I mean, that's that's quite a weapon to have a guy that size that you got to go out and guard um, from behind the arc. No, you're no, you're, you're exactly right. I, you know, I believe in him making it. Obviously, coach believes in him making it because he lets him shoot him. Yep. Um, and um, you know, sticks obviously feels you know freedom within the offense to do that. And, and and you're right. This team is, uh, you know, we there's you know sometimes when we struggle to struggle to score, um, you know, we'll get into we'll get into into trouble in games yeah. um, because it can pretty consistently this team's been defended. You know, they you know they've really guarded. Um, sometimes you know um, their offense will affect their defense a little bit, um, and that's. You know, that's just something everybody deals with. But, um, but, but uh, you know, as a whole, this team is always defended. And, um, and you know, when we're having those scoring droughts, it really, really, really helps when Sticks is making jumpers because he gets them. And, um, you know, you go back, I don't know what the stats are, but, you know, you go back and, you know, look at the games that he's made, you know, two threes. I'm yep. pretty sure that, you know, it's been, it's been a good night for Maryland. Yeah, it has been. Um, lastly, um, I just want to ask you. I want to ask you about both of those players, Bruno and Sticks. Um, you guys had had to deal with this, you know, every year. I mean, at at this level, you got to deal with this every year. You know, will he or or won't he go? Um, in your opinion, is Bruno ready to go? He's he's mocked out, you know, anywhere from top ten to you know late first somewhere. So he looks like right now a lock to be taken in the first round. Do you think he's gone? Uh, I don't know because <laughs> I don't know, and and it probably doesn't matter because if you had asked me this time a year ago if Kevin Herter was going to be gone, I would have said no. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a great answer. It's a great answer. Uh, uh, you know what? We, so you, does it really matter? Does it really matter what I think? Yeah. So oh. what about uh, Bruno? Bruno I, looks I, the part, though, doesn't he? I mean, he is the part. He does. Yeah, he does. He does. He 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 does look the part. Um. Bruno, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this about Bruno. Bruno is a special human being. Um, I'm not talking about a basketball player. I'm talking about a human being. And um, he, um, his emotional intelligence, um, his spirit, um, the wisdom that he possesses to be such a young guy, um, he's just he's just made a little bit different. And um, and so I don't know. I, you know, I don't. I always I always despised. Um, when people would talk to our players um, about 
this topic during the season um, because I didn't think that it was fair to them as a, as a player uh, to cloud their mind. Um, and I didn't think that it was fair to their teammates, and I didn't think it was fair to their school um, to be, you know, to be not focused on what's the most important thing, and that's you know winning an NCAA tournament game um, today. So it would have been hypocritical for me to for this time of the year, this season to call Bruno and say, Hey Bruins, you know, you know, what are you thinking? You know, what, you know, you know, so I haven't talked to him about it, Kevin. Right. Um, I do know that, I do know that if you have a chance, if, if you're going to be a lock first rounder, that's a chance to change someone's life. Of course. And, and that's, you know, that's, you know, when we recruit these kids, we talk about, you know, wanting what's best for them and their families forever. Some, you know, you know, sometimes that's, you know, talking about the NBA, but sometimes, it, you know, it's just talking about, you know, what, how Maryland can change your life. But anyways, um, so I know that, you know, I know that, I know that he would have everybody's support. Um, if that's the decision he made, if he's going to be, you know, a lock first rounder. Um, but uh, like I said, I don't know what Bruno will do. Um, and, um, and I, you know, you asked about six. I don't, you know, I don't, I haven't, I haven't looked at a mock draft, believe it or not. Um, I don't know. I don't know where you told me that Bruno was in him. Um, I don't know where Sticks is. So I, you know, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, St- you know, Sticks I, is. I really have Sticks no, is really no mocked. Yeah, he's been mocked out more as a second rounder. But like you said, who the hell knows when these guys go to these camps? And like you said about Herder, I mean, Sticks to me looks like a guy that should come back. You know that I, I would. I would imagine the feedback is, you know, you do what Bruno did, just did, and you're you're a first rounder next year. Um, I, I would hope that's the case. But, you know, to your point, too, I've now heard this about Bruno Fernando a half dozen times from people that know the kid that this is just a special person um, as, you know, beyond uh, his his basketball ability, that that he's smart, that he's warm, that he's he gets it and that, you know, everybody's rooting for him and everybody that comes across him likes him a lot. Um I appreciate this. I really do. I, I'm glad you're down there. I'll be watching um, and hoping that we get a game this weekend. It's not an easy opponent. You're 100% right. I mean, the first thing you said when you were describing Belmont, they're going to spread us out. And it's like, yeah, you can just see it right now. And and they're tough, they're tough to guard. At the same time, I think, you know, and you probably have felt this in previous years. Like you get out of your league play where you're scouted so well, where you're playing great teams, and in the Big Ten's case, some really good defensive teams, and sometimes it makes it a little bit easier to play somebody that hasn't seen you offensively anyway, right? I was Well, I was going to mention that when we were talking about it. There is, everybody is so excited to be done with league play because <laughs> – in league play, you have so much historical knowledge. You have so much film that you've watched over the season and over the years. And for the NCAA tournament, right? You know these guys have had two days, and so yes, of course, the assistant coaches were calling, you know, uh, you know, other coaches in the OVC, right? Now there's you know kind of a deal where you know you, the gentleman's rules, you don't you know you don't give up teams in your own league, you know, so I don't know how much information they've been able to get, you know, from those teams. But my point is, you know, they've done, they've, they've made calls. They've talked about game plans with other people. They've watched film, right? But it's just a, it's just a time factor. You can't watch as much film on Belmont as you've been able to watch on teams in your league. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. and you don't have the historical knowledge of trying, you know, trying things, you know, like we tried some things against, 
you know, whatever Virginia we went to ACC. And then once we found something that worked, you know, then we, you know, then we kept going. So, anyways, yes, nobody's more excited um, than these coaches all around the NCAA tournament to be done with league play. Um, so, yes, there are going to be some things that are going to be more open for us. You know, I, I suspect, you know, some offensive things that haven't been there are going to be there. Um, so, um, yeah, no, that's uh, that's absolutely the deal. And here's the deal, Kevin. Right? And, you know, you you led this podcast. You know, us talking. You know, you, you led it talking about you know criticism. Listen, here's the deal. Whatever criticism is out there, whatever negativity is out there, all right. Set, let's set it to the side for today. Because if we can't be excited about Maryland basketball and this game, you know, tipping at three ten, and if we can't, you know, be excited and hopeful for you know beating Belmont and then having a chance to play either LSU or Yale to go to the Sweet Sixteen, you know, right down there in DC. You know, come on. Like, we, then let's not watch. Let's not be basketball. Fans, oh, tr- right? Trust <laughs> me. Not- trust me. We're watching. But <laughs> but let me give it to you from somebody who was born and raised and weaned on Maryland basketball, who grew up in Cole Fieldhouse. Today, my my my, you know what will be in my throat at three ten, um, <laughs> uh, for the for this game. And and the truth of the matter is, I and I said this right before the Big Ten tournament. It, it look. Constructive criticism aside, the one thing I, I mean, every it's a subjective thing. We live in a subjective world, and as sports fans, almost everything is subjective. You know, when it comes to you know what what I do anyway, it's all opinion. But I have been impressed with the year the team has had. I I thought that this was a tournament team when I saw it early. I would have been disappointed had it not been a tournament team. But I thought there were just there were several things during the course of the year that were incredibly positive. Bruno's development in particular. I thought it was a really smart and and strong defensive team. Even though we, we don't turn people over a lot. Uh, th- my one thing watching and I think listen, and, li- and listen yeah. listen. Listen, I'm glad you brought that up, all right, because people, you know, people, you know, would tell me all the time, oh, you know, we don't turn people up. You know what else we don't do? We don't foul. We don't foul. Yeah. Teams teams rarely go to the bonus. So teams, high turnover teams, all right, are creating extra possessions, but you know what else they do? They foul. And so they give, and, and so they give points away at the free throw line. Yep. But, yes, you're right. We're, we're not turning them over a lot, all right, but we're playing a, a defensive style that's predicated on, on not fouling and not giving up those points at the line. So whenever people talk about not turning them over, let's also talk about how, how many times we're in games that we make more free throws than our opponents shoot. That's an important step. Look, Maryland has been pretty much a top 20 for most of the season you know, very good, you know, efficient defensive basketball team. Anybody can see that that's watched them. They hold teams to low field goal percentage. You guys scout your opponents well. You defend well. Um, And from an offensive standpoint, they've been pretty much a top 20, top 25, you know, adjusted offensive efficiency team as well. I think, you know, in watching the team, they're three, we're 313th out of 353 teams in possessions per game. I just, again, I know there are answers for this, and I always preface the the constructive criticism with, I'm sure the answer is we're playing great defensive teams. We're playing teams that really know us well. Um, but I just look at the talent that we have uh, with this speed in the backcourt, with bigs that can run, and I often think that a higher possession game would benefit us. And we turn it over too much for a low possession team, and I think that's hurt us in some spots as well. The turnovers have hurt. Yeah. The, 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 the turn, yeah, no, no, no. The turnovers are um, – 
because like you said, you know, when you're, when you're efficient on offense like that, um, you know, you, you're, you're missing opportunities that you're, you're dead. I'm going to score or, you know, or get fouled. But, yeah. um, but no, I, no. but I am excited. Here, about here's today. the deal. Here's yeah. the, this is, this is what I do know. Right. <laughs> this is what I do. I do know. I do know. Unbelievable job putting this roster together, him and the staff. All right. We can, we can play big. We can play small. All right, we got shot makers. We got guys that can get to the rim. All right, he coached his absolute tail off with this team. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this this team in the regular season, in the regular season with, and you know, people don't want to hear it. You know how young they are. All right, and you know some of the limitations. It this team is had is is as good of a regular season. All right, is is any is they could have possibly had. Yep. All right, nobody could have coached this team. To have a regular season better than what they had, right? Anthony Cowan has done a great job organizing these young guards. It's hard. It's it's, it's hard to get, get get those young guards organized, and 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 Anthony's done a great job. Bruno has been so consistent and such an emotional, you know, leader. Right? They are going to, and you know, and you know, like you said, Stig, we go down the line, right? These kids are going to be ready to play. They are. They were absolutely sick about how the game in Chicago played out, right? And it's they're going to be ready to play today, and you know it's it's a make or miss game. So hopefully we're making a few more shots than Belmont does, but they're going to be ready to play. And Dad, can it be three ten already? Seven. <laughs> we're getting closer. <laughs> and remember, a lot of people are listening to this right before it starts. So you got them fired up. You know how much I love catching up with you. Um, and I'm so glad the business is going well. I'm glad you're down there with the team. Uh, hopefully we're, we're talking about you know a, a game against Yale or LSU on Saturday and and next week here in DC, which is you know. I mean, you were there for the for the Northwestern game in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, I know, I I know, it's painful, but that place was rocking. And can you imagine if we had gotten to the next day to face Wisconsin in that building? Um, but it, it it would be great. And and I nobody wants it more than me and, and this fan base and those that are. Um, frustrated or, or constructively critical, the whole that that whole feeling can be turned on its head uh, in in two games in one weekend, and and those are the op- You know, look, that's the opportunity that you have by getting to the tournament, and they got to the tournament this year, four out of five years. Thank you so much, appreciate it. I'll, I'll call you. I'll, I'll text you later on today. Yeah, looking forward to it. Enjoy the game. Thanks to Dustin. Love Dustin a lot. He's such a good guy. He's a good friend. Um, Mark has had a great staff of guys um, throughout his time here at Maryland. Uh, Real quick word about Scentbird. It's time for somebody to come up to you and say, you smell amazing. What cologne are you wearing? Well, for you guys that don't know how to pick out a cologne or it's too expensive to, to take a risk on a new cologne, Scentbird is a luxury fragrance subscription service. It's a way to discover new colognes or perfumes without having to buy an entire bottle. That's important because good colognes and perfumes can be very expensive, and many of you aren't sure exactly what you want or you've just gotten tired of what you've been wearing. Uh, Scentbird makes it easy. They've got more than 450 designer brands for you to choose from each month. Gucci, Tom Ford, Kenneth Cole, Burberry, Prada, and a lot more. You choose the cologne you want to try. They'll send you a 30-day supply. I tried it. My wife tried it. It is so easy, and they help you discover what works for you. First of all, you can check out user ratings and reviews on any fragrance, but they've got a quiz that you can take 
that will help you discover a more personalized recommendation. Here's the offer right now for my listeners only. Get 50% off your first month today. That's $7.50 for your first fragrance. That's it. Go to scentbird.com slash KSDC. Use my code KSDC for 50% off your first month. Again, that's Scentbird. Let me spell it out. S-C-E-N-T-B-I-R-D.com slash K-S-D-C. Try your first cologne or perfume for just $7.50. Sign on. Smell amazing. Let's get to the smell test. Kevin looks where the John Q public is putting their cash and does the opposite. It's It's time time for the the smell smell test. test. All right, I got five smell test picks coming up. Uh, If you haven't seen our brackets, uh, they are available at Sheehan Podcast. Follow us. uh, Follow the show on Twitter, at Sheehan Podcast. Um, Aaron put them up there. They're also on the website uh, at the Kevin, not at the Kevin Sheehan Show, just the Kevin Sheehan Show.com. You can follow me on Twitter, too, at Kevin Sheehan DC. I retweeted uh, Tommy's, Aaron's, and my brackets out yesterday so uh, they're out there I had St. John's winning two games so I'm already in trouble uh, on the brackets and we didn't place a bet what's our bet uh, you know we Tommy will go along with whatever we go along yeah. with but w- w- are we going to do just a point per win just do it keep it simple or do you want to no, increase we'll, we'll, levels yeah, we'll, we'll do it normal style okay do one, it one two four eight you know fine we'll do it that way what's what are we playing for here come up with something today to present to Tom tomorrow. All right. We'll come, what, after the brackets are shattered? Exactly. After (laughs) we know exactly how good we're doing. Um, All right. Smell test for today. Uh, I have, I I, I got on a a pretty good roll there in college hoops there for a few weeks and then not so much for about a week. So I took a week or so off. I'll be back at it today. I like some games. I always feel that the tournament's very difficult to bet. Um, I think the second round, Saturday, Sunday, is typically easier than this first round where the upsets are really hard to predict. Teams that ultimately would have won a best of seven series, four games to one, in a sterile, benign you know, unusual environment of a midday game on a Thursday or Friday at a neutral site, they get beat. And, you know, by a team that's a lesser team that got hot, that's playing with no nerves um, against a team that's got, you know, everything to, to, to risk. And, and I just think they're hard to predict. So I, I, I don't I, – I, typically in the tournament, in, these first two, in the first round, I've not done well. But when you get to Saturday, Sunday, I've typically done much better. I'm going to do a smell test for tomorrow's games tomorrow. And I'll also give out Saturday's games tomorrow, and then I'll tweet them out on Sunday for Sunday's games. But I've got five games that are just pure anti-public plays. And believe it or not, Maryland is one of the biggest anti-public plays on the board. The public is in love with Belmont today. I think they sense that Maryland's not playing well, that they may be a little bit overrated um, and vulnerable to scoring droughts. And almost every expert seems to have picked Belmont to win this game. Belmont's getting a short number, three, which is in- interesting that the public would still be on Belmont. I'll take Maryland and lay the three. I, I don't... My personal feeling is that more likely than not they will win this game, but I'm not sold on it. 
But from a betting standpoint, I'm going to follow my smell test criteria, which is I'm going against the public. And uh, in this particular game, the public is lined up on Belmont. They really are. I got a text early this morning with all my plays. I asked about seven or eight games and got feedback on five of them from one of my uh, offshore contacts. Um, And he said Maryland's going to be the biggest need on the board today. When I say need, meaning bookmakers, the house is going to need Maryland to cover. They don't want Belmont to cover. They want Maryland to win by more than three. Give me Maryland minus the three. The first game of the day today, I like I like Minnesota uh, getting five and a half against Louisville. Um, I think Minnesota is a good team. The public really likes Louisville. I think they're shorting some of these, you know, you know, seventh place, sixth, seventh, eighth place Big Ten teams that got into the field. Um, give me Minnesota plus the five and a half. I can just tell you this: that Amir Coffee and Jordan Murphy can flat out play. Louisville turns it over a bunch. Um, I think Minnesota will grind them to a you know a 65-60 kind of a win. Uh, I like Minnesota plus the five and a half in that one. I'll give you a third M team. I've given you Maryland, Minnesota. I'm going to give you Marquette because you know who else the public loves? John Morant and Murray State. They're shorting Marquette. Marquette can score, man. They've got some weapons. Though Marcus on Howard that team. may not be 100. percent Yeah, he was banged up at the end of that game uh, against Seton Hall in the Big East tournament. Um, Look, if Marcus Howard doesn't play and the line doesn't move, then still play it. But if the line moves drastically back off it, it's a 4.30 start You know, projected this afternoon. I like Marquette because it just seems like every dope in the world is picking Murray State in their pool, and they love Murray State plus the 3.5. I'll take Marquette and lay the 3.5. Uh, people love Kentucky today. I hate these games, but it is really lopsided, and there's actually some sharp money on Abilene Christian. Uh, that line opened at 22.5. It is down to 21.5. P.J. Washington just announced out for the game. Is that just announced? Okay. Yeah. Is that an update this morning? I believe so. Calipari announced that today, today on Twitter, I believe. We, we knew he would, there was a chance he was going to miss because he was going around in a walking boot. And uh, apparently out for this game, maybe back for uh, the second round. So most of you would think automatically I would love my pick even more with their leading score out for the game. Uh, It depends on what happens with the line. So I'll just, this is a conditional smell test pick. If the line remains at 21 and a half, all right, uh, it's Abilene Christian. Uh, If it goes, by the way, if it's at 21 and a half, 21, 22, somewhere in that range, it's Abilene Christian. If the line changes significantly, just stay off the game. That's a night game tonight, so you got time. But in the smell test, I'll take Abilene Christian plus the 21 and a half. And one last play. It's also a game I feel strongly about. I like Seton Hall plus the three. They're an anti-public play against Wofford. Um, I'm taking, you know, some of these plays are against some of the mid-majors that the public's fallen in love with. But I guarantee you most of the public hasn't even seen them play, except for Belmont, who played the other night. You know, betting against Murray and against Wofford. Um, with big conference teams. I like Seton Hall plus the three. Uh, the public loves Wofford as a favorite in this game, but they're the higher-seeded team. It's a 7-10 game. Um, so those are the plays. Most, I know someone will tweet me and say, why not Baylor? Aren't they a huge anti-public play? They are, but Frank Howard's out in this game, and the line really hasn't changed that much. I'd stay off that game. I don't like that game at this point. I, 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 I liked Baylor briefly 
Um, but man, Bayheim, even without a really good player, might figure it out here. Uh, so that's it. I've got five plays. Minis- uh, Maryland minus three, Minnesota plus five and a half, Marquette minus three and a half, Abilene Christian plus 21 and a half, and Seton Hall plus three. Uh, remember to subscribe to the podcast, uh, to rate and review us if you haven't done that. Follow us at thekevinsheehanshow.com. Tell anybody that hasn't listened to the show, that wants to listen to the show, that it's easy by just going to kevinsheehanshow.com or thekevinsheehanshow.com. Either one works. Um, we're here uh, tomorrow. Cooley, I think, will be with us. Tommy will call in. I think Scott will call in as well. Um, I hope you enjoyed Dustin. Enjoy the games today. Back tomorrow morning. Uh, have a great day.